Aging, where I interview inspiring, fascinating women who are navigating aging with class and sass. I'm your host, Nicole Christina. Today on Zestful Aging, we have Ashton Applewhite, who is an international expert on ageism and an adventuresome woman who went to Laos to write about the internet, which was uh, coming in through a bicycle-powered computer. And she's also presented at the United Nations and Library of Congress. Her TED Talk in 2017, Let's End Ageism, uh, was a main stage event uh, in Vancouver, and she got a standing ovation and was also wearing a really, ooh, that dress was fabulous, Ashton. <laughs> I was I was looking at that saying, this, this woman knows how to bring it on. She's on the Forbes list of 40 women to watch over 40, a powerhouse advocate for addressing discrimination. And I am really honored, Ashton, that you're taking a few minutes to talk to us today. Thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. Um, we have a lot of different things to talk about. Um, I wanted to also let the reader, the listeners know that you have also written a book not about ageism, but about um, flourishing after divorce. And as I shared with you earlier, it's, it's one of the best books I've read on the subject. It's called Cutting Loose, Why Women Who End Their Marriages Do So Well. So the theme here is, uh, it seems to be thinking critically about societal messages. Would you say that that's accurate? Bingo. <laughs> okay. Bingo. I said to someone the other day, any interview that doesn't start out with, what is ageism as ahead of the game? Because that makes me wish I were a Walmart breeder. Oh, So yes. you're way ahead of the game. Oh, good. Well, all that social work training paid off. I mean, I would say that Cutting Loose is a book about sexism, in, you know, in, in society, the way I'm now writing about ageism in society. It is indeed mm -hmm. about how society shapes our experience. And as women, we are doubly hostage to a lot of these ideas. And I want to talk about, um, I mean, people can certainly watch your TED Talk, which was phenomenal, by Only the way. Only 11 minutes. Uh, and I love the humor, too. <laughs> I Your manner is very engaging. You're saying things that are quite, you know, I think that they sting for some people. Huh. And they really, maybe sting isn't the right word, but they're very, they're, they're profound. And I think that some people might be taken aback by some of the messages, <laughs> but you, you deliver it in a very uh, accessible way. I want to talk a lot about, obviously. I, I, can I, can I just yes, qualify? Yes, sure. But especially the, the age is a message asks you to look at your own attitudes towards age and aging because mm -hmm. we are all biased, everyone. I do and I think ages things all the time, even after all my years of thinking about it. And confronting our own bias is uncomfortable. I mean, that's mm -hmm. my favorite comment on my book is people writing in and saying, oh my God, I had no idea how ageist I was and therefore the role that I play mm -hmm. in perpetuating this diminished idea of myself 
and perpetuating it in society. So I would say that's where the discomfort lies. Let's dig right in because I, I, I got to just talk about sort of a personal experience. And I know that you're going to have something important to say about this. So I'm a tennis player. I play doubles. And, you know, we're not 20. Okay. We're in our mid 50s. Some of us in our 60s. And I hear a lot, oh, I'm too old to get that ball. Or, you know, oh, at a <laughs> younger time, I could have returned that ball. Now, when something like that comes up, we have a decision to make. Do we well, say, say something? One of those one of those statements is probably accurate and the other is bogus. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are two inevitable bad things about aging. People you've known all your life are gonna die, some of them, and some part of your body is gonna fall apart. And a ball that you could have gotten when you were 20, you might not be able to get when you are 60. That is true. But the fact is not that, you know, but some other 60 year old might be right on it, right? Mm -hmm. It's deeply, deeply individual. And we have this reflexive habit because we're all brainwashed from birth to hear everything about aging is bad mm -hmm. to blame things on age, which may or may not be age related. Does your back hurt because you're 60 or because you cook dinner for 15 people or, you know, spend an hour hauling weeds out of your garden? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it is the best line in my Ted talk. I say, you know, I had to stop colluding in this way myself. Like I stopped blaming my sore knee on being 65 because my other knee doesn't hurt and it's just as old. Mm hmm. What do you do in the world uh, the minute you walk out your door um, and you hear these things inevitably uh, wherever you travel? Do you do you feel like you need to confront it or are there times you just say I'm off the clock? I'm just going to sit and drink my coffee. You know, that's a tough one. I mean, I'm an activist. It's what I do. So I try to point it out in a tactful way. You don't want to jump down someone's throat, especially when, for the most part, you know, these are new ideas for people. Mm -hmm. But a really, you know, I, I like your example because it, one thing to listen for in ourselves, because if, if we don't change ourselves, nothing changes. Mm -hmm. So the first issue is to look at, at your own attitudes. And one really good way is to look at the way you use the words old and young. Mm -hmm. We tend to use old for substitute bad thing. She's not too old to get that ball. She's too slow. She's too lazy. She's too <laughs> experienced. It could be any of a whole set of things, right? Mm -hmm. So try to use the word. Like when we say, you know, when people say, I don't feel old. What they mean is I don't feel sick or I don't feel ugly or I don't feel incompetent. Use mm -hmm. those words and keep in mind that we can feel useless and incompetent and ugly at any age. I mean, I think back to when I was 13, mm -hmm. right? And I felt all those things far worse than I felt them now. And, and I think most of us, when we look inside, honestly, especially women, it's, it's a paradox that benefits us, find aging to be an enormous source of self-knowledge and mm -hmm. confidence in companion right. with all the scary bad stuff. That's right. That's right. And, and I talk about that in Zestful Aging is navigating the predictable losses, the pain, you know, all of that with, hey, you know, I don't have to make school lunches. I don't have to do this. I've got a whole day. What am I going to do? Right. Or, you know, just I know who I am better. I can answer that question better. I can draw on more experience. Um, you know, that's I, I 
I am not a Pollyanna about aging. It is not that the challenges are not real. It's that we mm -hmm. never hear about the other side too. It is a process mm -hmm. of loss and it is also a process of accretion. We, we contain, the epigraph to the book is a quote by Anne Lamott, the um, mm -hmm. novelist and nonfiction writer who says, mm -hmm. we contain all the ages we have ever been. Yes, I Those, saw that. Right, th that's not lost to us. It enriches us. And that's why, you know, I wrote a really cranky blog post not that long ago titled, If Aging is So Awful, How Come No One Wants to Be Any Younger? Mm -hmm. right? Think about it. No one actually wants to be younger. It, you know, you don't get to, you don't get to like run, you know, the knees back in time, but hold on to the brain, right? You got you to gotta return the whole package. <laughs> that's and, right. um, you know, no, no sensible person wants to do that because we know whether or not we've thought about it critically for two seconds, that we are a function of all of that and that's who we are. And mm -hmm. that's what makes us us in all our power and our weirdness and you know our richness. That's right, that's right. Oh my goodness, yes. Um, I'm just gonna ask you this question because this is a, a funny one and, a, and it's, a, it's a little bit of a weird one. The pro-aging kind of products movement. What thoughts about that? I, 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 mean, I, pro, yeah. I mean, I pro, what do you mean by pro aging products? <clears throat> so, so uh, sort of the boom and the cosmetics that are sort of touted as oh. this is not meant to hide your age. It's meant to enhance. Uh, it. Enhance. Yeah. I mean, I like that. I mm -hmm. think, you know, the, the very, even I, uh, when you said the word pro aging, see, I shouldn't admit this, but I'm like, oh, she must mean anti aging. And it was a slip of the tongue. Okay. Because the anti-aging is so prevalent. Yes, of so course. Yep. If you think, I mean, again, language matters. We we <clears throat> we think of aging as decline, and we um, we combine it with this idea of, of dying and mortality, to which it's related, of course. But we are aging from the minute we're born. Aging yes. is living. Dying is only what happens mm -hmm. at the end of all that living. So if it was, if we were to, you know, perform a slip of the tongue, which I hope. Which, which I would like to say we live in a world where it isn't necessary and think of it as pro-living cosmetics, <laughs> you know, that's just gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And so if we can get our head around this, so are wrinkles. You know, I, I, am I saying that with 100% conviction? No, because I'm not a hypocrite. But why, <laughs> but you know, but the idea that wrinkles are ugly is culturally conditioned. We make it up. There are cultures where being super curvy is seen as gorgeous. Yeah. Yep. Wrinkles are this fantastic map of your experience that brighten up your whole face. There's a quote in the book by a blogger, a Huffington Post blogger, in praise of older women's bodies where he talks about how there's always something around the corner. There's something new to get to, Compared ah. to a, right? Where young woman's body, we're sort of what you see is what you get and sort of the mystery and investigation of an older woman's body. And I thought, now why does that seem so damn radical, right? We, mm. need, to, we need to be more imaginative in particular to enlarge our notion of beauty away from this crazy idea that mm -hmm. if you're not 17 and have, you know, are bump and cellulite and wrinkle free, mm -hmm. you're undesirable. So I like very much that Boom and other places are starting to embrace that. And I love the fact that Allure magazine banned the term anti-aging. 
Trump ah. gets pages. Yeah, in August. They said, no, we're not saying that anymore. Then they went on, like the next sentence was, but P.S., buy all this stuff. Yeah, of to, course. Uh, to, to, you know, don't, yes. don't stop buying retinol or whatever, you know, like right, <laughs> right. now. That's, but still, that's, yeah. it's a start. Language a matters. Start. That's that's something. So, you know, as, as we alluded to earlier, you are one to be a very... Um, you know, you look at society's messages and you really look at them carefully and critically. You do not seemingly anyway take things in and just wholesale and say, yep, that sounds right. Have you always been this kind of woman? Um, I think I've always been, it's funny that I, I, what's coming to my mind is my childhood bedroom. And, um, and worrying that there was, of course, a monster under the bed that was going to grab my ankles and jumping onto my bed from as far away as possible. But I grew up and I think I have always been a look under the bed kind of person. Um, I think that's just, you know, just my character. My mother also was an activist. And I think so. I, you know, I learned from example. It, it mm -hmm. makes me... It makes me angry in an abstract sense. Sometimes I say it riles me. The, the argument that we're just stuck with discrimination, that we're stuck with unfairness, that this mm -hmm. is just the way it is. It is absolutely true that changing society is a huge ask, but we also know that it happens all the time. I mean, for mm -hmm. an incredibly vivid example, look at how our attitudes towards gender and homosexuality, which is like giant, you know, mm -hmm. cooties, ooh, sex, ooh, gay sex, whatever, you know, all sorts of flags go up, which more than around age, which is something every person does, right? Think how much our attitudes have been revised across the culture in just a few decades. You know, so mm -hmm. we have the power. And it, it does anger mm -hmm. me when, uh, not that's, that's not the right word, but it disturbs me and I feel compelled to do something about it because that, because doing something about it, I don't know, you're the shrink, makes me feel good, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, or ma makes me feel like my work is, is serving some purpose that's larger than myself, and that makes me feel good. Uh, yeah, so, so as a shrink, let me ask you this. Uh-oh, uh, <laughs> me and my big mouth. Uh, you know, what I'm curious about, and I, I wonder this about you know, advocates all through history um, mm -hmm. and people who see so clearly what's wrong and what's profit-driven and what's unfair. Do you ever get tired? Um, no. I, I mean, I, I, I mean, I do. I am 65. I feel just as energetic as ever. I'll wake up in the morning and go, you know, well, I'm never good when I wake up in the morning, but it will seem um, just just the day's tasks will seem insurmountable. But I bet that's the case if you're a school principal or, mm -hmm. a, a, you know, a mail carrier. You know, it's just and once I'm going, I'm going. Heavy. Yeah, and I, I do. I, I hope this doesn't sound pretentious, but it feels like this work is really important mm -hmm. and it feels like it's much bigger than me. Mm -hmm. So that is a huge that makes it much easier for me to get up on stage and talk about it because I really, I know that feeling better about the years ahead is a fantastic source of mm -hmm. well-being and energy, especially it's, for women. Yeah. I mean, I was a feminist first before I became an anti-ageist. So It's a gift. You're giving a gift. Well, I, I don't know. It. Uh, I mean, so that, that 
charges my batteries. And also, you know, with ageism, we are really getting some traction here. You know, it is starting to pop up everywhere. It's starting to be included as a criterion for diversity. Um, people mm -hmm. are starting to, which is probably propelled in some way by the baby boom, you know, dawning on some of us that you're, yes, guess what? It's mm -hmm. actually going to happen. Yep. Um, but, you know, I think that's exciting. And I think that the way society is moving towards diversity, whether you think that's a good thing or a bad thing, you know, the idea that discrimination on the basis of age is no more acceptable than any other form of discrimination. I think the culture mm -hmm. is, is a lot more ready for that than it was 70 years ago with the dawn of the feminist movement. You know, I mm -hmm. think saying then a woman could, you know, run for president, run a Fortune 500 company seemed like a huge ask. Mm -hmm. But I think that it's, you know, to say age is a criterion for diversity as an equivalent ask or, you know, or, you know, at 65, we don't suddenly cease to have, you know, brains and capacity and the ability to contribute doesn't seem like such a big ask. So I'm very, very excited by that momentum. You're encouraged. I can hear that. Yeah. Um, do you have sort of a, a tribe that you run with and, and uh, sort of anti-aging uh, well, not, I'm sorry, not anti-aging, no, no, anti-ageist. Uh, I, I, I know that's what you meant. It's, yeah, uh, it's thank a you. very, very easy slip of the tongue. Thank you. Um, that, you, you know, you feed off each other and motivate each other and, and stimulate each other in your thinking about this and activism? Um, I've never been much of a joiner. Mm -hmm. That said, um, I'm on the internet uh, and I have, I'm, I am have all sorts of groups that I'm in contact with, whose work I support, who support my work. Um, I have a very active This Chair Rocks Facebook page, mm -hmm. um, you know, where I put ideas up and I use Twitter a lot too. And as well as people I meet in the real world. Um, mm -hmm. So I would say the, the, the literal answer is no, but the um, sort of more, more political, abstract, um, social media propelled tribe is diverse and huge and very important. Mm -hmm. Do you spend a lot of time connecting with them on any given day? Um, I spend more than I would like to because <laughs> yeah. it's such a time sink and because, you know, writing is really hard and not fun and you can procrastinate, you know, as much as you can. And it's always more fun to check Facebook than to force yourself to, you know, confront the blank screen and figure out what you have to say about something that's happening. And Anne Lamott has a lot to say about that, doesn't she? Uh, about yeah. writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, one, one thought I had, and, and maybe this is sort of uh, a big social worky kind of thought, but, <laughs> you know, um, when I talk to clients and they worry about, you know, I'm going to retire and I don't know what I'm going to do with my life, and we kind of talk about their ideas about aging, Starting a conversation about who profits from your anxiety <laughs> is a pretty big Pandora's box, I find, because then it opens up these questions of like living in a world where we're being, we'll say nicely, misrepresented the facts. Oh, yeah. Or how about, uh, how about brainwashed? Brainwashed, okay. And and I think for people to come around to accepting and, and, and really acknowledging, you know what, most of the information I'm getting is, uh, has an agenda. Thank has you. A no one has ever pointed that out except me before, and I am grateful that you did. I mean, 
to, to put it, to oversimplify it, and you know, I'm, I'm about to say bad things about capitalism, which drives consumer society. Mm-hmm. But in a consumer, in a capitalist, no one makes money from satisfaction. Right. right. I mean, we right. know this from the from the body acceptance movement. If you think you are fat and ugly, you mm-hmm. are going to spend a fortune on diets, on surgery, on expensive weight loss programs, etc. If you and say, you'll be a repeat customer, repeat of Weight Watchers, customer. The, yep. and aging, everyone's going to come down with it. So what a market! Yep. So it is a huge. I, I, what I say to people is like, first of all, look at your own attitudes, you know, and and mm-hmm. and think about what what you think about your own aging. And, and then where do those messages come from and what purpose do they serve, which is exactly mm-hmm. what you just raised. If mm-hmm. aging is framed as an illness, which it is not, it, it be, otherwise living would be a, an illness, mm-hmm. then we can be sold stuff to cure it, in quotes. Mm-hmm. And if mm-hmm. aging is framed as a problem, we can be sold stuff to fix it. Mm-hmm. And it's not a problem and it's not a disease. It is this natural, powerful, lifelong process that we should see as something that unites us instead of something to compete against. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to talk about that. But I want to make an analogy to the women's movement because what got it off the ground, we were talking earlier about Betty Friedan briefly, um, mm-hmm. but, you know, and it was, admittedly, it was, it was mainly, you know, white middle-class women who had the the leisure to to start doing this, but they mm-hmm. came together in consciousness raising groups, which is an old fashioned phrase, but no one's come up with a better one. They sat down and they compared notes about what they were going through and where they were feeling thwarted or unhappy or frustrated, right? With their work, with their marriages, with their jobs, maybe harassment, maybe, you know, who knows? Mm-hmm. And what they realized was these were not personal problems. They were widely shared political problems that mm-hmm. required collective action. And that's what we need. And that's what the body acceptance started, movement started to do mm-hmm. around how your body looks. And that mm-hmm. is what we need to do around aging. That if you can't open the bottle, or if your face doesn't look the way it did when you were 16, or if you um, you know, worry about going somewhere because you'll be the only older people and you think you won't be welcome or whatever, those are not personal problems right? That is a function of, of, of discrimination. What the women realized was, hello, we live in a sexist world that takes advantage of women and pits mm-hmm. us against each other in all these ways. Same goes for ageism. And on my website, which is thischairrocks.com, if you click resources, the first thing you'll see is a free download. It's called Who Me? Ageist. And mm-hmm. it's a guide to starting a consciousness raising group around age bias. Not that you have to go start a group. I know that's a big ask, but just read through it and think about, you know, think about some of the ways you think and why, because those messages serve all sorts of purposes and none of them are good for us. They cost us money. They cost us self-esteem and they cost us solidarity. Mm -hmm. So much easier, I think, to say, wow, it's my wrinkles that are holding me back. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, but that's double edged because sometimes in a in a in an ageist and yeah, sexist society, yeah, it's true. It is. It is true. But the problem is not your wrinkles. The problem is that we give a pass to the discrimination. Right. Right. That's right. And it's easier, you know. I mean, I always get a ton of comments anytime I put anything about letting your hair go gray. And a woman came up to me after a talk one time, and I've never forgotten it, nor should I. And she said, "You don't get it." 
I have children to support. If I let my hair go gray, my boss would fire me. Mm-hmm. She's right. Okay. And we each have to do this in our own way and in our mm-hmm. own time and stop judging each other. Ladies, mm-hmm. you know, every person I know who has gone gray, who does she get the most grief from? Not her boss, not her husband, not her boyfriend, her women friends who say, what do you do that for? You don't look good. You look old. You know, let's have each other's backs. And if someone wants to keep, I'm only talking also about people who dye their hair to cover the gray and don't like doing it. There are those of us who've dyed our hair all our lives. More power to you and more power to you, whatever you do. We have to make our own way. Mm -hmm. But when we dye our hair to cover the gray, we make ourselves invisible as older women. Mm -hmm. And when a group is invisible, so are the issues that affect us. So there's consequences there. There, It's a political act in a sense, I think. Beautiful, yeah, exactly right. Hey there, more of the interview in just one moment. Now it's time for a quick shameless plug for my Zestful Aging web course and my newsletter, Breathe, Taste, Savor. Hop on over to NicoleChristina.com forward slash Zestful Aging to find out more. Now back to the show. What do you think about cosmetic surgery? I think it's exactly the same, exactly analogous with, hello, giant cost bias here. I mean, most Mm -hmm. people can afford hair dye off the shelf, at least, Mm. you know, I know, but I know people who spend, you know, hundreds of dollars, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars a year at salons. Mm -hmm. Most of us can't afford plastic surgery. It's the same thing because it does, um, you know, it, it may, I mean, I've heard women say, look, this is what I need to make me feel better to be a confident actor in the world. Okay, that's mm-hmm. your truth, more power mm-hmm. to you. Mm-hmm. But all those remedies, in quotes, are bound to betray us because we're gonna get older. And mm-hmm. eventually, unless you want your face to turn out, you know, like a frozen mask, um, you, you know, you, you, it stops working because of course we wake up older every day. And if you think about it, not only is it based in this sort of self-deception, which we're all, we all know, we all know whether right on the surface or very close to it, that they're only working part way, or they're only going to work for a certain time. Or yes, we may Mm -hmm. look younger than our friend the same age, but we still don't look as good as the 25 year old that they just (laughs) hired, whatever, you know, it's Mm -hmm. a losing game. It you costs sound like money. It sounds like there you you're almost bringing some. There's this uh, almost like this compassion. Like you can do that, but boy, uh, it's I. I'm sorry to you know. I'll be sorry to observe as you you're sort of coming up against the fact well, that it, it I just kept... gave a talk on Friday at the Mount Sinai School of Social Work, mm-hmm. and a young woman came up afterwards and thanked me for the talk, and she said, "My older sister, she's 34." gave me Botox for Christmas. Mm. And so I said, what'd you do? And she said, well, she, she said, I had the, you know, I had the shots, but it's to prevent wrinkles, by the way. If you didn't, by the way, anyone who's listening, if you didn't start preventing them when you were 15, it's already, you know, you're already <laughs> it's, behind. It's too so late. So watch out. It's not too late. It's oh, not no. too late, I but know. you got a late start. So you probably should run out and overcompensate. Oh, um, boy. You know, that's, you know, the message, of course, should be that, that you know, that to learn to accept 
how we are. And if you, you know, studies show, you know, men, you know, men like heavy heavier women, men like older women. There's, they may mm-hmm. not act on that because of social pressure to be out with a 22 year old blonde woman, the shape of a matchstick. Mm-hmm. But again, the issue is society. And if you look at if, if being sexually active is important to you and it's okay to let that go too, right? No judgment. You don't have to keep doing all the things you did when you were young in the same way you did. And P.S. sex is more fun when you get older and you get better at it, right? Mm. Um, If you look at your friends who are sexually active, they are not the youngest and they are not the thinnest and they are not the prettiest. They are Mm -hmm. the ones who are confident that they are worth going to bed with. And that Mm -hmm. confidence is based in self-acceptance. Sounds like something Helen Mirren would say. You know, (laughs) she's very much... uh, yeah, she, I don't she, think she's she, had any work done. Uh, I don't think so, and she uh, and that's she, and no yeah. judgment if she had. I mean, especially yeah. if we think we feel pressure. Right. Think what it's like in Hollywood. I can't imagine. What are your thoughts about you know we we sort of touched on our culture as being there's a lot it's profit driven yeah. and well, whose agenda is it to make you feel bad what do you see I know you've been to Laos <laughs> what do you see at least I, I'm sure you've been other places what do you see in other um, cultures and are you noticing that if they're becoming more westernized, that is also, um, they're also uh, sort of veering towards some of the the values that we see. Yeah. Um, uh, It's not, you know, I I have traveled a fair amount, but I don't go, you know, in order to really understand attitudes towards aging, you would have to go live somewhere for a long time and observe it, and I have not done that. What I have read, and people are always saying, isn't it better somewhere else? I mean, I do think it's it's worst in the U.S. because we are obsessed with popular culture, which is obsessed with youth, and because mm-hmm. it is so consumer-driven, right? There is just these messages all the time, go buy stuff, go buy stuff, go mm-hmm. buy stuff. Mm-hmm. You can achieve happiness by buying more crap, by having a bigger house, by That's having right. more expensive face cream. So those we're back to aging being framed as a problem so you can buy stuff to fix it, or, or anything else being a problem right? You know, your marriage is a problem, your whatever, buy a bigger car, but go buy something and it will make the problem go away. I think that message is loudest here and it's not our friend um, in any domain, aging mm-hmm. also. Um, in societies that have traditions of, of ancestor worship, like Confucianism, or where societies are more age integrated, there is less ageism. You know, if you live in a village where where people aren't, you know, where, where the the you know, old, the very old and the very young are part of the fabric of daily life. There's no discourse about people becoming useless because everyone has a place and a role and that's visible, right? Yeah, they're doing that more in the Netherlands and Denmark. Yeah. So segregation, shocker, you know, is is a real problem and integration. That's another thing I have to say. One reason I'm super optimistic is that there's so much intergenerational programming and housing and stuff coming up right now. You get the generations mixing again, as they did in rural society and before giant cities. You know, urbanization is mm-hmm. not our friend because it fosters segregation. The young people go into the city to work and the kids, the you know, little children and the older people are left behind l- physically. And, you know, that likewise fosters um, stereotypes and segregation and stereotypes mm. is the basis of all prejudice. So where there's rapid influx of capitalism where there's rapid industrialization you do see 
Um, you know, we're in, in Kenya. I just read a study, you know, about where, 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 where land is no longer passed along in traditional tribal ways where there were councils of elders who had a respected role in society to the ends of their lives and is being supplanted by modern Western forms of land ownership, then there is no role anymore for the elders. And, you know, so they suffer. So, um, but that's not to say that older, the way it was is always better in societies where, which, which are called gerontocracies, where the older people have all the power, which was the case in early America, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, old, old white guys held all the power. Those are crappy places to be young. You know, mm -hmm. you had to wait for your older brother, your older brother inherited any, everything, or you had to wait for him to die, or you had to go be a priest, you know, and forget it. If you were a sister, you had no rights. Right. I, I mean, don't quote me on that, but you know what I mean. So what we want is, you know, I don't, when people say age is just a number, it's, it's, it is a real number that's important that we need to, it's old is not the same as young. It's different. Mm -hmm. It's, there's mm -hmm. good and bad things about every mm -hmm. age. And we need to work towards a society that finds, a, you know, places for people of all ages to, to work together and respects the very different things they bring to the table without it being organized into a system of social inequality. In the workplace, it's tough. Seniority is real, but you also need to make a way for ambitious younger people to move up in the ranks. But there are ways. We know how to do that. The idea that young people take, old people take jobs away from younger people is a myth. Older people and younger people don't typically compete mm -hmm. for the same jobs. If the only right. job in town is a barista position at Starbucks, you're going to have everyone in town competing for it. But that's not a too many old people problem. That's a labor market problem, right? So anytime mm -hmm. it's framed as old versus young, prick up your ears because that is a way to divide us. Mm -hmm. and keep us from organizing against the underlying social problem. Just like moms who work outside the home arguing with moms who are stay-at-home moms, moms about who's yeah. a better mother, wrong struggle. We mm -hmm. need to come together, all of us, solidarity, to close the wage gap and get affordable childcare available so that mm -hmm. we can actually choose whether to stay home or not. Imagine that. Yeah. And as long yeah. as we're bickering, among ourselves, we'll never come together. And as long as we're doing that, that benefits the powers that be, the rich people who run the factories and sell you the face cream because they're just cashing it in, watching all of us waste our energy arguing about, you know, little details about who looks younger. Mm-hmm, mm hmm Yeah, oh yeah. Can I just shift from the political to the um, existential for a moment and wonder <laughs> if you have any thoughts about this? My clients who talk to me about um, getting older and some of their fears will often talk about they don't know what happens after they die. Mm. And it's a, you know, it, it, it's something that I'm thinking of uh, one or two people, they, they spent a lot of time kind of wondering about it. And I wonder, I wonder what, what impact that may have on, you know, how they think about aging. Hmm. Um, and I know that's not necessarily your area. It's, I mean, it's, it's not my area. And I have to say, I am more sort of intellectually oriented than, or politically oriented than spiritually oriented. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's fantastic to talk about it. I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with Atul Gawande's book, Being Mortal. 
No. Oh, oh, oh yes, yeah, yes, I am. He's a physician. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. And a wonderful mm-hmm. writer. I got to meet him at TED. That was really a thrill. Oh, wow, uh, yes. He came oh, up he... to me after my talk and said, good oh. job. I was with my partner. I was like, Bob, that's a total one day. He just and said he I did, did a good job. He um, did a PBS special on that. Yeah, he's a lovely guy, and I love his writing. And his point mm-hmm. is that we need to acknowledge that we are mortal and think better about how we would like to die. And I said to him, he was so sweet. He had, he had no idea who I was, but um, before, I talked to him before my talk when he really didn't know who I was. And I said, <laughs> I think of my work as paving the way for yours. And I will uh-huh. blow my own horn and say this PBS site called Next Avenue named him the uh, influencer of the year in aging in 2016 and me in 2017. Because, thank you. Because if we don't acknowledge that we're getting older, yeah. It is a lot less likely that we're going to talk about what we want when we die. So mm-hmm. I think it's fantastic that your clients are just, I, I think we're back to looking under the bed to see if there are dragons. They're mm-hmm. dragons. You're probably going to get mm-hmm. six in some way. Not everything's mm-hmm. going to fall apart, but something is, you know, people yeah. who love are going to die. And so are you. Mm-hmm. But thinking about it, I think makes it much less fearsome. And I will just go back to the political for a moment and say that the conflation of aging and dying, I think, is a function of an ageist world. Of course, older people are reminders of mortality, but I'm 65. You know, I'm definitely older, but I'm not I'm not dying. You know, I got I got a ton of energy and a lot to do. So I think when we have to also guard against the equation Mm -hmm. of the two. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I'm wondering if um, some of the advertising plays on that. Of course. Yeah. Well, you better. And if you don't buy it now, you might be dead. You know. So <laughs> run out. I quick. Turn off the podcast and run to the mall. Yeah. Yeah. Oh boy. There's so many aspects of this well, that it's are just the, fascinating. It's the biggest topic in the world. You know. That's why. I mean, I could never figure out to be when I grew up. I didn't start writing till I was 42. I, and then I just sort of took, I did the divorce book, and then I couldn't figure out what to write about next. And I had a friend who worked for a geeky tech magazine, and she knew I could write. And she had faith in me. She's the one who sent me to Laos. I mean, I didn't know anything about computers or the internet or whatever, but I know how to uh-huh. ask questions, and I know how to listen. Which what so- was that experience like? Oh, it was fantastic. Ta- yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I'm curious, you know, and mm-hmm. I think curiosity is a wonderful attribute in old age. And I mm-hmm. wonder, actually, here's a question for you. Do you think you can become curious? Or do you oh, think it's something you're born, wow. you know, yes, it's just like, you know, blue eyes? Uh, I'm gonna just take a shot from the hip here. I think you can remove obstacles ah. to curiosity. Right, like I can't learn anything, I'm too old. Or yeah. that I shouldn't take that course because I'll be the oldest person in it. Or, or I shouldn't I'm, take up playing the piano because I'll never play Chopin. Or I'm distracted because I'm too worried about this one and that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I think I think it's a natural thing. Certainly we're born with it as we can you see any toddler. Um, and I think it gets papered over as we get older. Love your answer. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And you know because you do this all day long and if you look at the harvard study of adult development and Mm -hmm. you know and and you look at really what helps health 
and what helps longevity boy curiosity is right up there being engaged in your environment and social networks oh my I goodness mean, the biggest predictor of a yep. good old age is not how rich you are that's right and not how healthy you are and this is a huge advantage that women have because we are better partly again partly because society gives us that role you know it's almost always i think this is changing generationally um my, my partner and i joke because his dad who, who uh, died last year at 94 um he said i don't think my dad has ever picked up the phone and asked someone to go have a drink or have lunch mm -hmm. my dad was very social Mm -hmm. But in general, it's the wife, in quotes, who, mm -hmm. you know, manages, sends out the Christmas cards and, you know, does the managing and curates the networks. And when men retire, they lose mm -hmm. their biggest oh, yeah. source of social networks. Oh, and yeah. if they were married and had a happy marriage, they and, and if the wife dies first, they yep. often lose their best friend. And we really need to guard against our social circles um, shrinking. So... Absolutely. Let me make an entreaty. The best thing you can do is to make friends of all ages and sustain them. Mm -hmm. And I want to make an appeal to women that you reach out to women older and younger than you and talk about what it's like to get older and talk about what it's like to look in the mirror. Because mm -hmm. I think what, what, what happens in that, in my experience is, you know, we remember, we older women remember how hard it is to be 20. It's mm -hmm. really hard. Oh my goodness. And part of the burden of being 20 is that there's all these messages that you are in the peak of your life. And if you're not advancing <laughs> your career, finding your mate, having fantastic sex every night and looking yeah. perfect, you must be failing, which is really bad because it's just going to get, you know, any minute. It's downhill, now, from, downhill here. from there. <laughs> So, you know, those are all ageist messages from our society. Mm -hmm. If we sit and look at each other in the room, you know, then we can dispel that through the message of personal experience, back to consciousness raising, discover shared points. And the younger women look at us and go, you know what? They're still getting laid. They're still having fun. <laughs> yeah. They're still finding meaning. They're fine. And they, we have, you know, I tell me if you think this is true, but what I hear so often is I love being older. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. how therapeutic it would be for younger women to hear that from us. If I would have known it was yes. so fun. Yeah. And that's how we break down this poisonous dynamic mm -hmm. of younger and older women competing to stay young. Because mm -hmm. as long as that is the dominant mode, we not only reinforce the idea that what's the most important thing about you, how you look, Mm -hmm. But we reinforce ageism and sexism and patriarchy. Mm -hmm. We keep spending all this money doing futile things that pit us mm -hmm. against each other instead of coming together as women to change society. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And have more meaningful life uh, and have fewer regrets at the end of this whole this whole thing. Yep. I just wanted, we talked about this uh, privately, but I wanted to and I, just... I need to go fairly yep. soon. So let me yes. just put up a little a little flag while we're okay. on, in edit mode. Okay, go on. Okay. Um, the This book that I uh, uh, I was telling you about earlier, The Lost Connections mm -hmm, right. uh, by Johan Hari, he talks exactly about what you're talking about, the tribe, being mm -hmm. with the people, being with your, you know, your group, the people who get you, understand you. It's, it's, it's magical. And really, so. really try. I mean, 
to make that your tribe. And I do have a very, very strong tribe in, in, in real life. You know, I, it's my, my work life. I try to keep the two a little bit separate, um, mm-hmm. but that, that's of course utterly unsuccessful. Um, <laughs> but try to, to make that tribe made up of older and younger friends, which is, mm-hmm. I mean, it's shocking how few Americans, there's some horrifying statistic, um, have a close friend, someone who they would discuss personal matters with, who is more than 10 years older or younger than them. And 10 years is nothing, mm-hmm. I think. And, you know, it's not easy. Um, but once you start doing it, it becomes easy, of course, like anything else. And a way to do it is to think of something you like to do or an interest that you have yep. and find a mixed age group of people to do it with. And then you'll meet their friends and it will become natural. When we mm-hmm. do that, we dismantle ageism. Mm-hmm. Then we don't That's need a beautiful. whole movement to get my thing going. Then you can come together to beautify your median strip or reform the prison system or start a charter school or mm-hmm. go to Mars, whatever it is. If you have people of all ages on your team, you will not only dismantle ageism, which you probably isn't quite on the forefront of your, your shopping list the way it is on mine, but you will be more effective, mm-hmm. right? Oh, that's a beautiful thing. And I just want to uh, say that, you know, your quote, and I had, I'd see, I think I saw this on your blog, but aging is living, I think is just, it really cuts to the heart of the matter. And is, is just such a beautiful quote. Yeah, I did not. Uh, I think, I think I heard that first from an age scholar named Margaret Gallette. It's one of those ideas that becomes obvious once you think of it, just like um, another thing that people are often arrested by is that all prejudice requires an other, that other scary mm-hmm. group, right? Whether yep. it's another sports team, another religion, another nationality. The weird yep. thing about ageism is that that other is you. It's that's your own right. future older self. That's right. And that's you know a very arresting idea, but I didn't come up with it. But anyone that's who right. thinks about this long and hard does. And the mm-hmm. idea that aging is living and that it's not just this yucky, awful thing where, where everything is sucked to away To be avoided at all costs. Right. It's, yeah. You can't avoid it unless you're dead. And it is how, <laughs> it's how we move through life. And what is more interesting than that to, you know, a social worker or a generalist mm. like me? Where can people, where's the best place to reach you, Ashton, and to learn more about your work? Because I know our listeners are going to be um, well, I'm very... Well, I'm the only Ashton Applewhite in the world, so it's not okay. very hard. Okay. Um, my blog is thischairrocks.com. Right. Where you can see I've been thinking out loud about all this for, geez, almost 11 years. So there's a ton of stuff to go through. And there's a link to your TED Talk on there's there. There's a link am to I my right? TED Talk right up front. Good. Good. Um, if you're on Facebook, um, my This Chair Rocks Facebook page, I try and post every day. You know, I post okay. about ageism. Um, I have also a Q&A blog called Yo! Is This Ageist, mm-hmm. modeled on this fantastic blog um, called Yo! Is This Racist, by, started by this guy who knows, you know, we're uncomfortable talking about race. So here's a place where you can ask. Mm, I started great, yeah. Yo! This Is Ageist with, <clears throat> I think people are less, af- less afraid of or nervous, they're less nervous about talking about ageism as really ignorant because it's a new idea. And so this is a place where you can send in like a bunch of people sent in. I don't know if you watched the Super Bowl, but there was this viciously ageist E-Trade ad about older people in the workplace. You know, so if you see or hear something 
um, and you wonder if it's ageist or you think it's ageist and you want to, you know, bring, bring it, shine some light on it, mm-hmm. write me there. Okay. And, um, you know, there's contact information at the bottom of my webpage. And I will say, um, my book, I mean, it's, you, you need to say this, but it's fun to read and it's, it has, contains every sharp idea I've ever had. Yep. And you can get it on my <laughs> website. You can get it on Amazon in any yep. electronic form. You can buy it as a, it's also an audio book read by me. So read some of the reviews if you don't believe me. I promise I promise it will be full of fresh ideas and I promise that it will make you feel better about the years ahead. And, and I and again, you bring your humor to it and your wit and I think it, it it's just uh, it, it's it's delightful Thank to read. You. Yes. Thank you so you're, much you're for so your welcome. time. It was lovely speaking with you. I am definitely going to uh, uh, send the, our listeners your way. I'm sure that they will be um, educated and enlightened and relieved, Terrific. I think. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. Please comment, rate me on iTunes, like and share. I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at NicoleChristina.com and tell me what you'd like to hear more about. Want more zest? Head over to NicoleChristina.com forward slash zestful aging where you can find out about my online course Zestful Aging, Simple and Sustainable Habits for Health and Longevity. See you next time.